Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is David Moyes. This is Yapstam. This is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Listen, there's no prizes. You are right. This is The Big Interview, part two. Emma Byrne, if you're wondering why Arsenal's women's team have won the Champions League and the men's haven't, here's a partial explanation. If you're wondering why Emma Byrne spent her communion money on a pair of football gloves worth about 350 quid in modern terms, or why probably the best leader, the best goalkeeper in the history of Arsenal's women's football club, maybe even the best player in the history of Arsenal women's football, if you're wondering how many times she's broken her toes, her fingers, smashed her teeth, when she's going to need a new replacement knee, this is your opportunity to find out. M. Byrne is a huge character, tremendously insightful, very funny. A great representative for the women's game, somebody who now has got the choice between becoming a first-class television analyst in Ireland, in the UK, in Spain, or beginning to coach and follow through the leadership that she showed throughout her career, winning nearly 30 trophies, becoming Ireland's leading cap winner. And also, if you want to know how it all got started and why it was that leaving Dublin simply to go on a bender, to go on the lash in London, led to her becoming the dominant figure over the last 20 years of football for women at Arsenal, is the place to find out. I will reach through this microphone and punch you in the nose if you think, ah, women's football, I don't fancy it. Give yourself a slap. Tune in. This is the dog's bollocks. Emma Byrne with the big interview. What did it do for you personally as an analyst, as a potential coach, as an ex-player... Uh, when that Camp Nou Classical was... I mean, because both games, to my mind, were... I thought they were fantastic games. With your vast experience of the women's game, maybe I've missed competitive matches where that standard. But for Madrid to have closed the gap so quickly, and they were beaten twice, 
but I thought that they were exceptional in tactical planning. But to, to have a full camp now was it was extraordinary. Incredible. Next round again, full again. It had Incredible. repercussions around the world because it was a record. Again, what does that do? For, what did it do for you? What did it do for the club? What does it do for the women's game? I just felt proud and I felt I also felt proud of the club even though I've never played for Barca working for Barca I can see what they're doing and it's it's a very it's a little community very welcoming place so I felt proud of them and I was just happy I was happy that women's football can finally we can be something it can be something that we can be proud of we can talk about it and we can say no they they can get 90 plus thousand people at the game people watch the game I don't have to argue anymore over a pint to Guinness <laughs> I don't have to prove anything um, and still have that doubt in my mind that was my problem still doubt would people come and watch though I don't know can I argue my point here now I can and it just feels again comforting um, and as you said cleansing that was a nice word um, that that women's football can attract these crowds and not only that the crowds were there for I tried to get home after that game the crowds were there for 25, 30 minutes afterwards. It was impossible to move. They weren't even just there to, you know, for a ticket. They were there to support the girls. They wanted their autographs. They wanted to celebrate them as they were walking around the pitch. And it was just, it was just amazing. It was an amazing thing to see. And again, I talk about Barca being the catalyst. It's never been done before. Never. They opened up Camp Nou and... A lot of clubs don't do that yeah. for their female teams. Because why? Because they say they're not going to get bums on seats. It's the perfect example. It's astonishing because I'm very fortunate. I was born in the 60s, white male. Um, the world was orientated towards me. So I've only had to learn the phrase about you, you, you can't be it until you can see it, which applies to a lot of the new thinking in life where people are like, well, that was old-fashioned, it was shackling, it was ridiculous, it was complacent. So therefore, the impact on me as a father of two daughters, but living in the neighbourhood and, and working at the game, coming back, the, the degree to which I saw, I saw shining faces, I'm mostly talking about young girls, but young boys too, the utter passion, the excitement, the, the fact that a lot of um, men's football at that level, because that was a Champions League quarterfinal, I think. I think it was a quarterfinal, but it was, an, it, was a, it was an elevated stage. A lot of young kids, their parents can't necessarily afford a subscription at home or the ticket price to go, but they got to go. The fact that it was feminine, you know, okay, fine. But the utter enjoyment, it, it's inspiring, um, I think, young women, young girls to think, I want to do that, I can do that, there's my example. Yeah. But equally, young boys are like, that's my club, that's my badge. There were a number of Madrid fans there. The first like didn't have the same crowd because they didn't use Bernabeu, but to me it was a transformative thing and mm-hmm. maybe you can go back to the World Cups that the USA were winning the, the crowds there but to, to, to make sure that the impact is spreading now with the increase in professionalism the recognition that by television companies and sponsors we have to be in there's a scramble to catch up now yeah, all of a sudden yeah that's it and that's what it's all about and that started by the clubs giving the respect to their players because you talk about kids and, you know, the gleaming faces and them, them wanting to go to games. That's because they have seen those female players, whether it was on TV, whether it was on billboards. If you go down here, Passive de Grethe, you can see a big billboard of Alexia. And that's because people are giving them that respect, giving them that platform. Because, and that's where the kids learn it from. They learn from yeah. everyone else, from the elders. So it has to start with us. That has to start with us and it has to continue with us for the kids 
the younger generation, the next generation, to have that passion. So I need to know, that, given that it's brought you here to, obviously, this table in the peak of your career. Um, peak of my career. <laughs> no, that was a serious point. Hold on. <laughs> was it the best decision you ever took to go? What were, what were the circumstances of going on the Lash in England for the weekend? <laughs> <laughs> and Vic Akers going, listen, I know you haven't brought your boots, but... I'm as interested in what was this? What took you to England? Who was who said? I tell you what, let's have a let's have a brilliant weekend. And 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 what happened then? Originally, I had been I was playing football in Denmark. That was my first professional contract. Yeah. Bearing in mind, I barely travelled outside of Dublin. I might have gone with the the Gaelic teams down the country somewhere, but I never travelled really. So I was in Denmark, just finished my leave and certificate, and uh, I didn't want to be there. I'd left all my friends. Yeah. Ev- we didn't even have mobiles. Like, that's how old yeah, I am. I'm old enough to remember <laughs> writing letters, so don't worry about it. And um, I'd ring from the landline. I'd ring my friends and, I oh, can't talk. We're going now. We're going to this party. We're going here. We're going there. I was staying with a, in a lady's house. She, you know, it was kind of like um, digs. Which was the city that you were in? Or the region? Curing, the north of Denmark. Curing, I don't the know. The very, very north wow. as well, <sighs> which was... It was miserable weather, yeah, even yeah. worse than Ireland. Like, come on, come on. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so I was there, and I was with this this little family, and which is nice. It was lovely, like to be there with them. But again, I just wanted to go home. To yeah. be honest, it was a great experience. I was training every day. Really good coaches. They didn't even speak English though, so it was really difficult for me. So I kind I left. Then the, the coach came over to Ireland, brought me back. <laughs> I nice went back um, and they convinced me to stay. But I, I think I lasted another three or four months. And I was like, look, I'm sorry, I can't. I just mentally cannot stay here. So I went home anyway and I started working for the FAI actually. And my friend Kira Grant, my very good friend Kira Grant and Carol Conlon, who were on the national teams with me under 16, 19s and seniors, they were playing in Arsenal at the time. They'd been scouted on a, in a five-a-side tournament and they'd gone to Arsenal the year before. And Kira was like, come over for the weekend. What are you doing next weekend? Come over for the weekend, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all right, okay, we'll go over. And me and a couple of friends went over and we stayed with Kira and Carol who were living together. And they had trained in the Thursday night. I remember it. I had got a flight on the Thursday. I was there on the Thursday at lunchtime. I'd gone around to their offices. They worked at Arsenal uh, to say hello. And they were training that night. And I was thinking, what are we doing? Where are we going after your training? What time you finish training at? Well, so we won't be Come out till 10 o'clock at night. Like, who's coming with us, right? All this kind of stuff. I've been there. I know that. I know that. <laughs> First before. time in London, I was uh, Tell buzzing. Tell me you can't. <laughs> we need to get out. <laughs> There I guess. So we'll see, we'll be all ready. Don't worry, 10 minutes getting ready. It was none of that like they are now, like two hours getting themselves dolled up. No, 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 none of that. Anyway, I was sitting in the office on the swing chair. I remember it was like yesterday. And next of all, Vic Akers walked in. He was like, hello, darling. <laughs> and I was like, hi, 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 all nervous. And here was like, Emma, this is Vic. This is who I've been telling you about. Just so happened their goalkeeper was injured at the time. And Vic said, and that's all the accent I'm going to do with Vic, by the way, because the rest is shocking. Um, and Vic was like, oh, you're a goalkeeper, eh? I was like, yeah, can I play for the national team, all this kind of stuff, shy. And he was like, do you want to train with us tonight? And I was like, oh, no, no, I'm thinking, I'm going to the pub, like, in 10 minutes. Oh, no, 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 it's grand, don't worry. Um, 
Another time, maybe, he had no gear or anything with me. And he was like, oh, lucky I'm the kit man then for the men's team because I can get all the kit you want. And I was like, I have no gloves around you. I have gloves, I have everything. So anyway, talked me round into training that evening. And, and that was it, basically. After training, um, I'd made about six or seven mates that I'd convinced to come on the piss with us that night. And Vic asked me to call around to the office on the Friday morning and was like, we want you to sign, and we want you to sign today, and we want you to play on Sunday. And that was it. Was that a set-up? Akira said to him, because it, it all seems a... It no, like, but to it be fair... It feels like you were ambushed. They were like, let's, let's try and get this, this No, guy. but to be fair, I knew their goalkeeper was injured. I knew they were looking for a goalkeeper. Um, I hadn't planned on going and training because I, I just thought it was beyond my reach to be quite honest that's I didn't bring any gear with me I had no intentions of training or anything I wanted to watch them play and if I thought I was better than the goalkeeper maybe I would have spoken to Vic you you worked with Vic for a long time yeah Uh, you know I I figure we're venerated forever now um, at Arsenal there are so many it's I don't even know how to say this properly it's a bit embarrassing there's so many women's sports now which it's proven that the men who are involved, organiser coaching, have turned out to be scum. <laughs> You're talking about the, the scandals in America, right? It's pretty non-stop. Yeah, yeah. Vic is forever associated with kit, kit man at Arsenal, which if you're a good kit man in a winning side in, in any club, you're, you're kind of, you're not a legendary figure, but you're, you're much loved, you know, identified with success. But he was central to the women's side of football at Arsenal, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he set it up. He was the one who got a group of women together to kick a ball about. That was literally him starting it. Um, We were really lucky, actually, the fact that he was involved with the men's. Uh, Not just because we got loads of kit. And we used to get loads of the men's shirts, like if the men didn't want them. I actually got a, a full... Long coat from Arsene Wenger, the one he used to wear in the sideline. The one that you know, you the can really never quite get on properly. The hood. Fantastic. And I, I brought it home. Everybody was absolutely buzzing about that. <laughs> um, yeah, so like we used to get loads of kit, which was brilliant. No other team did that. We didn't have to pay for boots, which is which was a huge thing. Like for for us, you know, boots are so expensive. For me, gloves. It was a brilliant thing. I mean, that alone would have. What were your brand? So we were with Nike at the start, whatever the, the team were sponsored by. We were with Nike, then I got individually sponsored by Nike, and then I got individually sponsored by Puma. So, What, was, what, what were the characteristics of, of the best gloves you've had that fitted with your needs, your personality? I mean, it's funny. The first pair of gloves I ever bought were £90 punts. Irish, this is, no, <laughs> it feels so old. Euro. 90, which I'd say in this day and age probably would have been about 350 euro. So, I mean, I, I think I, it was my communion money. Mm. <laughs> and these gloves were just ridiculous. They were so sticky. And it just gave me that little bit of confidence. I always bought my gloves at just a tiny bit too big. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't like the... You, you don't want to be restricted, presumably. Exactly, exactly. But the stickiness that makes you feel that if, if I get to it, it might stay? No, just catching, catching, catching. I caught everything, Graham. There was no parrying. Don't, 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 <laughs> don't, don't say it as if I have any doubt about that. You didn't have a GA background, did you? I did, yeah. You did it, you were a gaff, were yeah, you? Yeah, that's why they made me go in goals, because I played a lot of gaff. 
Um, but anyway, the, my first gloves were super expensive. They were very good. The problem was it always rained in Ireland, so the stickiness was a bit pointless and never really worked. <laughs> but I did realise that I do like the cushion. I don't like flimsy, light gloves. I like the cushion gloves. don't like those finger-saver gloves. That's really restrictive. So in the end, um, when I was with Puma, they actually designed the glove for me because they started bringing in these, you know, the twisted finger ones, all these kind of different ones. I was like, no, just give me a pair of gloves, nice padded gloves, and that um, that it doesn't get kind of shiny. Once it gets yeah, shiny, yeah. it gets a bit slippy. Anyway, um, so yeah, basic, nothing crazy. The first pair of gloves I bought were ridiculously expensive, and then I realised they weren't that great anyway. Um, and just as long as I was able to wet them and feel like they weren't slippy. I'll tell you one story. I don't know if you've ever met a guy called Alex Welch. I don't think I have. He was a coach at Arsenal, coached the boys at Arsenal, and then he went to Tottenham. So he was a, And he also was a coach educator with the FA, so if you're in the coaching world, you'd know him. Um, and I went coaching, I went training with the boys because we didn't have a goalkeeping coach at Arsenal for years. So I used to go down to Hayland with, with the lads. And all the lads had these really expensive gloves, you know, probably sponsored or whatever. And I had normal, average gloves. And they all used to laugh, like we'd joke, and they were like, what are these things? These things wouldn't catch, wouldn't catch cold, all this kind of stuff. And Alex, my coach, took their gloves and he tied them in the back of the net. And he started hitting the ball into the net. And we were all like, what's he doing? And he did it for ages, and we were all like... And in the end, he goes, did they save any, any goals? Did they save any balls? And they're like, no. <laughs> There's your point. That's my point. No gloves are going to save. It's about the keeper. And then after that, they were all wearing average gloves like me. Nice one, nice. And just worked on their technique. That's it's it. funny, the psychology of how, because you said before you were a teacher, how you get messages across, how you calm a group down, how you stop the bullshit. Is, is This is why I'll speak about Alex Welch again, is the best coach ever and I've watched coaches I'm not just talking coaches I've had the best coach I've ever seen Mm -hmm. I've ever worked with whatever because he is a psychologist he just he's all he also was a teacher (laughs) he just understood how to get his point across he understood how to build you up as a keeper he understood how to recognize a mistake how to recognize technique technical errors everything he just had everything in one and for me was just incredible, incredible, not just for me as a goalkeeper, for me as a teacher, as a coach, as a person. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sport, um, and, and this will increasingly begin to dominate the women's game because it's, in terms of finances and profile, it's, it's only beginning to catch up or make the, make the first step in the journey. But you're fully aware that in, in the men's game where the wealth is obscene, convincing is a word now that as much as ordering or asking individual players to do things through common sense or, or habit, top coaches are talking about the psychology of convincing all the time. Now, that doesn't have to only apply to multimillionaire footballers. If no, no, you can no. convince properly at any level, yeah. it's a massive step in coaching. I think it's... I mean, it kind of describes exactly how things have changed. Coaching before was like dictatorship. You do this, you go there, you... Like the you army. Play. Yeah, and to be honest, I didn't mind it because I just... That's how we grew up with coaches and then it changed a little bit it's about when they say convincing it's helping your player understand why you want them to do a certain thing why they need to do it why it's better for the team that's convincing player and it's the best way because you're not only creating better footballers but you're creating better coaches Mm -hmm. and if you are a coach on the pitch then you understand everyone's role you understand your role and if something goes wrong you can problem solve yourself you actually don't need your manager shouting at you on the sideline. When you see in, in any sport, but I'm attached to the men's game of football, problem solving on the pitch, it's, you know when it's happening, you know which players you can count on doing it all the time, and you know it's the antidote to, I remember, I often quote it here, so I'm sorry, 
Tuchel, the first time I met him, he was Dortmund manager, and he talked about, I would never coach youth the way that I used to, because I said, give them the best of everything, treat them like royalty as kids, incentivise them that way. And we bred robots who don't have solutions to problems. And therefore, that idea about problem solving, because you've been well taught, and you take responsibility, and you've got brain, and you understand, you're not just, I'm following A, B, C, oh, it's gone wrong, what do I do now? That's yeah, shit. exactly. I mean, it, it's not difficult to see or it's not unusual that practically all of Alex Welch's goalkeepers have become coaches. Where's Alex now? Alex is, he actually works for London Plainfields charity um, in London and so he focuses on that a lot um, but he's he's just incredible, incredible human being. I'm really glad to have mentioned him that you've been able to talk about him that way. It's an advancement of my learning. I'll you should try, get him on here. I'll try to look him up and I'll he's try brilliant. to find him and playing fields stop taking green grass away from kids <laughs> goalkeepers are part of the team until they make a mistake then we're on our own and it's a lonely place one can only escape from by regaining confidence with games is the quote of yours we've had um, many goalkeepers on here David Priest, uh, Mark Schwarzer Craig Gordon I forget it's not such a bad life being a goalkeeper <laughs> is it I should be feel always feel sorry for and protective of goalkeepers I mean, do you reckon we're odd. We're an odd I like that. I unit. Like that. <laughs> but we have to be. We we have to be a little bit different, to be quite honest. I mean, I played out on pitch. I was made go and goal. We didn't have a goalkeeper. And it took a long time for me to embrace being a goalkeeper, to be quite honest. But when you think about a goalkeeper's job, I mean, a goalkeeper, they don't have the luxury of passing backwards like other players on the pitch I've never heard it expressed like that but <laughs> they don't have that right. so straight away we're limited mm. <laughs> um, we can only pass forward and even with that we're we also we're the last line we don't have the safety net underneath us I mean we have to be different we have to have a different mentality we have to be very strong-minded we have to be quite thick-skinned and to build that need is you know there's certain things you have to do whether it's in training or whatever. You always hear stories about players saying, oh, God, they were mad, he was mad, she was mad. Yes, we are mad because we have to be a little bit mad. And, you know, we're training. Not only do we have to be one of the best with our feet, by the way, we have to be the best with our feet because, again, we don't have that safety net behind us. We have a net. So we have to train with the outfielders or certainly do the same amount of training with our feet as the outfielders. And then when they're all off playing their fun little keep possession and rondas, we're training like the serious stuff, the goalkeeping stuff. So we do double. We do double the amount. Um, And it's not nice throwing yourself around. That's not fun. It might be fun for kids. But when you get to a certain age, 20, 22, and things are starting to hurt and you still have to throw yourself around the pitch in training. Nobody ever talks about that. You, You do feel it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you, a lot of a lot of people come out of um, a career in football with bad hip, bad knee, bad ankle, or, or whatever it might be. What you're talking about is the type of bruises and damage you get. That do they, is it short duration pain, or d- does that no. eventually stay with you? <laughs> well, tell me, I don't know. No. I mean, it could be different for other goalkeepers, but I ruptured my cruciate when I was 17. So that, for me, has been a problem since I was 17. I did my cartilage, my meniscus, everything. In fact, I was told I had to stop playing when I, was get, when I had the operation. Um, I was told I wouldn't play anymore. 
And I just didn't, I wasn't having it. I was like, I'm playing, I don't care what's going to happen, whether I get a new knee when I'm 20. What stage is this? I, I had the operation when I was 18. You were told then yeah, that that was yeah. a threat to your future career? Yeah, the words Ray Moran, who's a very famous surgeon in Ireland, Ray Moran, um, you need to consider playing at the level you're playing at. So, of course, as well as that, I don't know why, why surgeons, doctors tell you stuff when you're just coming round. Like, you're never in the right mind. And then when people ask you what they said, how are you supposed to remember? Like, you're still high on, on the drugs. Um, anyway, so that, I didn't listen to that advice. Um, Sheer stubbornness? Stubbornness and... I didn't want to have to change my life that dramatically. I... Football was my out. Football was my safety place. So I just, it wasn't an option for me, you know. Anyway, so I struggled with my knees a lot. But then, of course, I had broken every single toe in my foot from people standing on them. Although that's from Gaelic as well. I'm not going to blame mm-hmm. for that. Um, I've dislocated all of my fingers. My teeth have been smashed in. Um, now my knees, like the, the long-term effect is my knees, I'll definitely need a knee replacement. They told me that. They told me that I'd probably need a knee replacement on my left knee as well. I can't, you can't walk around for that long. I love shopping. <laughs> Surprise. Um, thank God for online shopping. Um, just, you know, little things that, you know, I'm 43 and I shouldn't really be worried and suffering. From I mean, they told me no, I wouldn't no. be able to run after my kids when I was 20. So I was like, I'm not having kids, so it doesn't bother me. But (laughs) I have dogs, can't run after them. Um, But, you know, those are the sacrifices that all sports people take, whether it's athletics, rugby. I'm glad you've explained it. Sorry for my original naivety. (laughs) Um, But your time is limited. You've got a big appointment coming up. It's hour two o'clock. I'm going to ask you to finish maybe by choosing. You've done many things exceptionally, and I I think... In a couple of years, I'll be asking back because I think your ability and profile, whether you stay with analysis on radio and television or whether you choose to coach or whatever it might be, my opinion, having listened to you, is that the, the future is going to be equally bright if maybe a little slower around the shops um, than, than previously <laughs> that you'd like to be. Arsenal is probably your, your biggest identity, certainly in club football. Pick for me, I've heard you tell it before, but winning the Champions League... You seem to make it sound like the Alamo against the team who, can I say it, Umea? Yeah. Is that close? That's right. It's that's my correct. best version. <laughs> Marta's playing in that team. You've described it constantly as the Alamo, but you, you won league after league, the FA Cup. But where is the moment, setting humility aside for a second, <laughs> best memory, happiest thing, most incredible, that you're like, yeah, that, that there's the, the knee pain and the, the broken toes and the sacrifices in there which of the games which season which thing makes you go like that you know that I'm really that was astonishing I had those moments nearly every day in training because training itself was I loved training I loved jumping around I loved making those saves and to be honest I probably made my best saves in training so from a selfish point of view (laughs) in training and in training with Alex or training with um, a top goalkeeping coach because I could feel that respect coming from them. Yeah. So that made me feel really, really good. But I'm going to talk about the Champions League, obviously. I know I say it every time. It's probably getting a little bit boring for people to hear about. But, I mean, that was a game 
that just was an absolute dream. Like, we never thought we were going to win it. Not, not one minute, not one second. I was going into those games thinking, if I come out having made some saves, kept the score down, as if I looked like I was a decent keeper, I'll be happy. Is it easy to explain to people who don't remember that? Why? Yeah, because Umeå had won the Champions League three or four times. They were number one in Europe. They had the best player in the world in Marta. And it wasn't like a, an Alexia Puteas that was an extremely good midfielder. That was the engine. No, it was Deadly a player scorer. that individually could destroy you. <laughs> so they had, though they had six Swedish internationals who were number two in the world. It was just like nobody thought we were going to do it. It was nearly like just Umea need to show up. And they thought it, like the, 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 it was two legs, which was a bit strange. So yeah. We had to play them twice, which makes it even better. And when we were which in... Which makes it st- statistically less likely that you pull off a shock. Exactly, exactly. Even if we pulled off shock away, they'd come and they'd, we'd anger them and they'd beat us 5-0 <laughs> or something like that. So when we were in Sweden, it was literally the whole training session and the whole pep talk was about keep it to a minimum, Hmm. keep it to a minimum. If we get a chance, maybe we can do some damage, but keep it to a minimum. Emma, you're going to be busy. Emma, back four is going to be busy. We worked on the defence the whole time. With the first couple of minutes, I think they three shots and I was like, oh God, this is just going to be a disaster. And the crowd, of course, we didn't have many. We had like two or three supporters there. So as the game went on and they hadn't scored, it's, we started building the confidence. But like they were literally all over us. We were defending. We had 11 players behind the ball. Julie Fleeton, who, who you should know very well. Superb. Scott. Good footballing family. At one stage she was centre-back, so that's how much we were defending. And <clears throat> I was extremely busy. I was like, I think... I'd say I had the ball equally <laughs> as much as anybody else on the team. So when Alex Scott scored that goal, she shot. She says it was pre-planned. Cross. <laughs> it was meant to fill the net. It was, um, yeah. You know what? I'm going to let her have it. Uh-huh. Um, that wasn't convincing. <laughs> when she scored, it was still. I was, I was actually worried. I was worried that they were going to, oh my God, because normally if someone scores against us, Arsenal in the league, we're like, oh, hang on a minute, second gear, Serious five, now. six, seven, yeah. and one. So I was like, oh no, why didn't you wait till like the 90th minute? So we just sat back again, parked the bus as we did, not going to deny that. And the game finished. We weren't celebrating. There was nothing to celebrate. We still had to play them at, at home. And even the interviews, the media, it was all about... How are you going to stop them? They're going to be angry, all this kind of stuff. And actually, the first five minutes, I gave the ball away at home in Boreham Wood because I was extremely nervous, even though I looked very calm. My um, Was that um, abnormal for you? It depends on who... Some, I like to take chances. So I did take a chance against Marta. Who Do you mean with distribution or...? Distribution, yeah, the ball at my feet. I like to take a few chances. I like to take some players on, give my manager heart attacks. <laughs> um, and I tried to do it with Marta, which was a big mistake. Anyway, she got the ball, but when Anita Santi slid in and helped me out. But then after that, we just defended really, really well. We kind of we were backs against the wall, but I just didn't feel like they were going to score. Even the last minute, Ramona Backman came on in 1v1. She took the shot early as well. In fact, she probably did everything right. And I don't know how... 
maybe I had acrylic nails on or something, but I just got the slightest touch from it and sent it wide and they got a corner. And it was like, that's it. That's when we knew we were going to win. Uh, and you still had better saves than that in training. You still stick to that. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that was, I feel like that was a bit of luck. I mean, they hit the post, right? This, get this. The ball was coming from my left-hand side, right? They hit the right post. Mm-hmm. I was in the goal. The ball came back, hit me in the face, and went out that way. How did it not go? It's just... I mean, I can't find That's any That's what you footage. get for spending your communion money properly. <laughs> he's like, okay, I'm remembering that. He's worthwhile. That all goes that way. Just, we just had the look. I mean, the save with the fingertip save wasn't look. That was just sheer, nearly aggression. I didn't want them to score. I mean, she should have scored, to be fair to her. But we just knew after that they weren't going to score. How did they take it? Horribly. Really? They were disgusted. Because they felt they should have won, and they probably should have, but they didn't. We did. Was Alex with you at that stage, or yeah? And therefore, it was a sensational experience to share. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I was looking forward to going because it was only Saturdays I was allowed to go down to his training, so I was looking forward to that Saturday going down. And of course, he was full of praise. And Burn, repeat champion of England, champion of Europe, um, exceptional talent as far as I'm concerned, but <laughs> very, very, very good at this. Thank you for sharing. It's been really enjoyable. Look, I've got so much. Came into this after a tiring week. I feel buzzing with adrenaline. You know, I feel let's like. Let's go for a pint. I, I, oh, let's go. Well, listen, let's go for a whiskey. You, you've, you've done me brilliantly. I feel like I could go training now, but if, it's, if, it's, if we're going for pints. That's where my European quality comes out for, absolutely sure. I challenge you. (laughs) This has been Emma Byrne on The Big Interview.